0: you guys want to just keep watching the whole movie? That was super fun. That's such a good, great movie. Thanks, Thomas. Well, good morning. My name is Nikki. How are you? Good. good. I'll be speaking today. Jake and Bethany are down in Medford with their family. Um, so I am so thankful that I get to be with you guys today. Um, I chose Holes. Um, they gave me a list of different movies that I could pick off. I could pick anything, really. But when I saw Holes, I thought, I have to do that movie because it's pretty much the only book I've ever read. Anyone else read that book? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I do read books, I read the Bible and I read Holes in middle school. (laughs) Anyone else that read the book? It's a good book. Not very many, really? (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's a great book. Um, I definitely recommend it, it's fun for kids too. But uh, this movie, Holes, it reminded me a lot of the story of somebody in the Bible. Um, And that person is Joseph. You guys remember the story of Joseph. Joseph was a young man who had a dream that one day, God gave him a dream that one day his whole family would bow down to him. And he made the mistake of telling that dream. How many of you guys would not recommend if you have a dream that your family's going to bow down, maybe don't tell them that. <laughs> didn't really help with his, uh, the, the favor that he was having with his brothers. So Joseph was one of many brothers, and it, he was a favorite of his father. And when he said, hey, I have this dream that um, I'm gonna, that you're all gonna bow down to me, it didn't really make them like him any more than they already did. Well, Joseph then, he is sent out by his dad to go uh, look for his brothers in, and check on them and see if they're doing okay out in the field, tending to their flocks. So he gets sent out. And on his way, he finally sees them, and they see him, and they look at him, and they go, oh, look at that dreamer. Look at that dreamer coming to us. Because God had given him a dream, something for the future. And when he arrived, they had plotted to kill him, and they, instead of killing him, they thought, well, let's just throw him in a pit. And maybe in that pit, he'll die, and, you know, we won't have to deal with him anymore. And uh, we'll see what comes of Joseph's dreams when he's in that pit. And they sat down to eat lunch. They thought, let's have a little sandwich, and um, obviously no conscience. They sat down to eat a sandwich, and while they're doing that, a caravan comes by of traders. And they thought, well, hey, why not make a little bit of money? So instead of leaving him down in this hole with no water and no food, why don't we just get make some money off of him and sell him to these traders? So Joseph gets sold to these traders, and they end up taking him all the way over to Egypt, and they sell him to Potiphar. Now, Joseph, if I were him, I think I would be wondering, maybe at the bottom of the pit, this is not how I thought my dream would come to pass. then when he got sold, he might have thought, well, maybe this is a little better, but this is not, God, what I thought you were doing when you gave me that dream. This is not how I imagined it would happen. And then he was sold to Potiphar, who was a commander uh, under Pharaoh or an official with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he's in a foreign nation but he's sold to a commander or a, 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 a official of Egypt. And while he's there, God gives him favor. He rises up in favor, and Pharaoh puts him in charge of his whole household. Things are looking a little bit better for him, maybe, but he's still far away from his father, far away from his homeland. He's basically in that pit. And while he does that, well, he's a good-looking guy, and Pharaoh or um, Potiphar, his master's wife, starts... Uh, has a crush on him, and she's lusting after him, and she tries to go after him, and he 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 denies her over and over and over to the point where she's angry at him, and she tells her husband that um, that he tried to rape her, and he was completely innocent. And again, he is thrown into a pit. So his his um his master Potiphar did not believe him and and didn't trust him and threw him into a pit, and so there he's in a dungeon again, probably not what he imagined his life would be like. Am I right? So then he's in the dungeon and he's there and God is with him there in the dungeon, but it's still the pit. And he he meets these um, guys, a cup bearer and a baker of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was angry with them and he threw them in the dungeon. And so they become friends, I'm sure. And they have a disturbing dream one night and Joseph is able to interpret it because God had given him wisdom and the ability to interpret dreams so he interprets their dreams and they actually come to pass the dreams that he he, the interpretation that he gives them comes to pass and so there he tells them okay when you get restored back to pharaoh cupbearer make sure that you don't forget me remember me I am innocently here I didn't deserve to be thrown into this dungeon remember me well what do you guys think happened They forgot him, that's right. So now he's in this dungeon, and yes, God has given him favor. Actually, the the keeper of the dungeon put him in charge of all the things there. God had given him favor, but he's still in a dungeon, and now he's forgotten in a dungeon, not anywhere close to what he imagined his his life would look like at this point. And while he's there, um, years and years, you know, go by, and finally, Pharaoh, king of all of Egypt, has a dream, and it's disturbing, and he's thinking, what, What's I need to, I need to get this dream interpreted, and so Pharaoh is telling everybody about this, I need a, I need an interpreter, and finally, the cupbearer remembers, oh yeah, there's this guy, I totally forgot about him, and so he calls Joseph up, Joseph's like, finally, right, maybe this is my break, and Joseph is brought up, and he interprets Pharaoh's dream, and, it, and he says, you know, you, th- your dream was that there's going to be seven years of surplus, and then seven years of famine, and you need to prepare for the famine, because it's going to be w- so bad, and so the, he gives the Pharaoh some wisdom, and Pharaoh's like, I need you on my team, and so finally, Joseph's big break comes through, and he is brought up to be second in command, just next to Pharaoh over the whole entire nation of Egypt, So his life kind of took this these turns of ups and downs and disappointments and 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 maybe this there's hope and then another disappointment and then maybe there's hope and then another disappointment. And it's kind of this roller coaster of a life. And when we look at the life of Stanley from the book Holes, we see something maybe a little bit similar. They have some things in common. In fact, when I was watching the movie, I was like, what like there's the whole entire movie is kind of like, man. Stanley, your life is hard, right? It's just like, oh my goodness, like he can't catch a break. He said it himself, I'm really unlucky. Like, I'd like something to blame this on. I don't know why I'm so unlucky. Maybe it was my good-for-nothing, pig-stealing, rotten, great-great-grandfather or something like that. So one part of the story that we didn't see in this recap was after he had been thrown in prison, unjustly accused, right, of stealing those shoes, he escaped with that boy, Hector, with zero um, as his, is his nickname. And they go out into the desert and they, I mean, they already were in the desert, but at least they were getting water. And, but they were sick of digging holes. So they escape and he remembers, oh yeah, my great-great-grandfather, he went up to this landform called God's Thumb and there he was saved. And so he thought, okay, well, as long as you and I, Hector, can make it up to God's Thumb, maybe we'll have a chance. So they go up to God's Thumb Barely make it up there. And on top, they find two things that save their life mud and onions. Now, I don't know about you, but if I am lost in the middle of the desert and I get to choose one thing that's going to save my life, it's definitely not going to be onions. Unless there's some onion lovers in here. I was thinking maybe Sabai or, you know, Baja Fresh. Man, not Baja Fresh. Sabai. I think that's my favorite. You guys agree with me? That's the best restaurant in Eugene. Yeah, unanimously. I take gift cards. But he's <laughs> just kidding, but you know, it doesn't hurt to say it. Um, so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, he's up there and he's eating onions, and it's like they're up there and they're, and they're what's it called? Um, see the, see, I don't know. They're um, straining the mud through their teeth to drink the water, and they're actually surviving up there on God's thumb. And it's up there, they have this interchange, this conversation, where Hector. His conscience is pricked and he's finally ready to tell Stanley the truth. And Hector looks over at him, they're kind of laying there half alive, and he's like, Stanley, I have something to tell you. (laughs) He's like, I'm sorry, I'm the reason why you're at Camp Green Lake. I'm the reason why you're in this position. I stole those shoes and I threw them on your head. And Stanley's response is really surprising. It's not what you'd expect from a teenage kid. And he looks over at Hector and he says, you know, Hector, I'm glad you stole those shoes and threw them on my head. Otherwise, none of this would have happened. And he says, I just got this strange feeling. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. And Hector goes, yeah? And he's like, yeah. Hector's like, yeah, it's a strange feeling. It's a good feeling that everything's cool. Now, what I see in both of these lives is that they went through some hardships, some pits. Stanley was literally digging holes, right? And Joseph was literally thrown in a hole and then thrown in a dungeon and life was hard and they didn't do anything to deserve it, right? It was unjust, it was wrong, it shouldn't have happened, but they ended up in that spot. And both of them at the end, when they, for Stanley and Hector, when they're sitting on God's thumb, Stanley has this revelation that, you know what? None of this would have happened if you wouldn't have done this and and I'm I'm glad that it happened because I'm he says I'm on God's thumb and Joseph at the end of not at the end of his life but when he was finally Pharaoh his brothers knocked on his door in the middle of the famine needing food desperate for food and they came face to face with Joseph and Joseph came face to face with his brothers who tried to kill him and they had this moment of whoa full circle right Had I not gone through all those different things in life, all the pits, all the difficulties, all the trials, then I never would have been able to save you. I've been brought here very much like Esther for such a time as this. And he saw that there was purpose in all of that. You know, the thing about life is that life is full of trials. Life is full of trials. We go through ups and downs. We go through these things that, these temptations, these testings, these trials that are pushing on our lives and pushing on our faith in God. And the enemy would love to use these trials to try to derail you. But God wants to use these trials to prove his faithfulness to you. So this word trial, um, it comes up multiple times in the Bible. It says here in Luke 4, 13, this is about Jesus. And when the devil had ended every temptation, that word temptation is the same as trial, he departed from him until an opportune time. So the enemy was tempting Jesus for 40 days straight, just pressing on him, pushing on him in different parts of his will and different parts of his nature and trying to push him off of the track that God had sent him there for and testing his faith, but Jesus passed the test. But what did it say at the end? It says he departed for another opportune time. <laughs> the devil is very relentless a lot of times. Then we have um, Luke eight thirteen. This is the parable of the sower, and Jesus tells this parable. He said, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they heard the word, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, Yay, Jesus, God, you save me from my sins, and I get to lay down my life and have faith in you. And I, I get to participate um, in suffering with you. But no, these have no root, for they believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. It's possible for that to happen. That in the time of testing, if you don't have deep roots, that you can fall away. The enemy would love for you to fall away. But God wants to prove Himself faithful through the trials. Then we have James 1:12 said, "Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God had promised to those who love him. You now, God has a promise to those who love him, that there is eternal life with Christ, that, that, that one day he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. One day he will, he'll, will have a new heaven and a new earth. He even says, "We'll have a glorified body, praise the Lord." Um, <laughs> yeah, like those of us who have walked through physical suffering, you know how difficult it is. you want to enjoy life, but you're suffering physically. It's just there all the time. God said He's going to make all things new. He's going to wipe every tear. There'll be no more suffering, no more pain. But what we need to be, be steadfast under trial, these trials come. And this verse um, is really funny. Uh, it's first Peter 4:12, I think it's funny. Um, it says, "Dear friends, Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Uh, I find it funny because I was just in Hawaii a few weeks ago, and while I was there, you know, it's this paradise, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, I get to go see waterfalls and eat good food, and I was visiting a friend over there, and it was a great time. But there's these lovely little insects called fire ants. Anyone ever experienced a fire ant? Yeah, it's serious. It's called fire ant for a reason and I put on my pants one night, and I went out to go get dinner, and all of a sudden, I'm like, ow, ow, (laughs) and I had ants in my pants. I didn't know that was a thing. I thought it was a joke. Like, I don't know. Like, that doesn't really happen, but no, there were fire ants in my pants, biting me, and so I I went, and I changed, and I shook out those, the next pair really good, and I put them back on. I have a pair of shorts, and I, and this was the mistake. I wore shorts, and I went into the house, and I thought, I'm gonna sit down and eat my dinner, I sit down, and bam, I sat on a pile of fire ants, and they were like, okay, there was only four, but four is a pile, okay, (laughs) one is a pile, (laughs) with how bad those fire ants burn, um, but I was acting surprised. I was like, what is happening? Ah, this is so terrible. And the family was just kind of looking at me like, why are you acting like something strange happening to you? We've been warning you about these fire ants, and they're called fire ants. Why are you acting like this? this? is so strange. And you're in Hilo, Hawaii. They're everywhere. I tried to put up my hammock. I brought it with me. Like, I'll just put my hammock up next to the beach. It'll be so glorious. Fire ants everywhere. I was like, After that experience, I was like, nope, (laughs) I'm not even going to try. They're going to crawl down the cord, down, and they're going to have a repeat. But anyways, um, (laughs) fiery trials are part of life, part of the journey to the the, the promise. So I just thought, you know, I know this is kind of cheesy, but I would love it if you guys would repeat this with me. (laughs) I'm on a journey of faith. Fiery trials are part of it. But I'm headed to the promise. All right. So I think one of the best things that we can do in the middle of a trial or in life is to have what's called a God shot, a God shot. Now, Bear is behind the camera here, and he's got a Nikki shot right now. So everyone on live stream, (laughs) hello. We have some friends on live stream watching from who knows where all over the world, maybe. Um, That's my hope. But A God shot is a focus in view on what God is doing. Where's God in the story? Where's God in the trial? Where's God in the temptation and the difficulty and the pit and the dungeon? Where's God? What's he doing? And the importance of a God shot is that it gets it off of our suffering, off of our pain. And if you look at the, the, the man shot of the life of Joseph, you'd see that though his father was awesome, his father couldn't save him, right? And though his brothers were many, they hated him right? And they tried to kill him, and they sold him into slavery. And though his peers down in the dungeon were, were maybe nice, good company, they, they forgot him. And though his master that he served gave, promoted him, Potiphar promoted him, put a lot of faith in him, he eventually didn't trust him, didn't believe him, right? And so the people in our life, they do let us down and circumstances and situations happen that are difficult and hard. But if you were to focus on the God shot of Joseph's story, you'd see that God had given him a promise early on. You'd see that God, you know, rescued him from from death in that pit that God was with him in the dungeon, that God gave him the skills and the things that he needed, whether it was administration or whatever, the things that Joseph had that allowed him to rise up in those places. God gave him the spiritual abilities that he had to be able to interpret dreams. God, um, God promoted him to be second command next to Pharaoh, and then God brought his family back to him. God gave him the ability to save many people during that famine. God gave him the ability to to save his family, right, his father, who he so loved, and and his brothers even that he loved after that, but God was in Joseph's story. That's the God shot, and sometimes in the middle of the difficulty of the trial, we look at that trial, and we project the trial onto God, and say, God, you put me in this dungeon, and and you treated me bad, and God, you didn't come through, and God, we blame God, and we point the finger at him for what other people have done. But God is in the trials with us. That's our point one, God is with us. Just like Stanley said, we're on God's thumb. He realized, I'm so thankful that all of this happened because I'm on God's thumb. And I know it's not a Christian movie, it's not like trying to tell anything about the, the, the peace of God when we're in his hands. But we are on God's thumb. We are uh, with God in the trials. In Genesis 39:21, Joseph says, but the Lord, or it says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. You know, the enemy would love to use a trial to get to you um, to believe lies about God. And I remember you know, sometimes we can think God's so far, he doesn't care, he doesn't care what's going on, he doesn't even see it, he doesn't know my pain. But the reality is, one, one day I was listening to a sermon and by Havilah Cunnington, and she was, you know, giving the sermon, I'm just kind of like passively listening to it, in the middle of a time in my life where I was really wrestling with a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty and something that was going on. And she goes, God cares about the details of your life. And I thought, oh, that just sounds kind of cute. And I literally said out loud, But does he, does God really care about the details of my life? Does God care about this? Because if he did, I feel like, God, you would have done something different. I feel like, God, if you cared about the details of my life, maybe you would have taken this a different direction, or where have you been, God, in this situation? And I really started to doubt whether God cared about the details of my life, and it's an honest question. Does God care about the details of our lives? And I thought, you know what, in my moments of doubt or when I'm questioning God's character or who he is, I've learned that the best thing to do is go straight to the word of God because God does want to speak to you in that moment. He does want to reveal who his character is, who he is to you so that you can have a right view of him and right relationship. And I went straight to the Bible. I did the whole point and flip. Anyone else do the point and flip? No one will ever promote that and be like, yeah, do the point and flip because okay, this is kind of funny, ah, I don't know if I should tell, but one time I was like, God, am I ever going to be married? When are you going to bring me? And I did the and flip, and it was like, <laughs> it was like, I think you should remain the way that you are. <laughs> I was like, blasphemy! Threw the Bible down, and <laughs> I did another and flip, and actually, I know that it sounds, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I pointed and flipped again, and it was another one about singleness, so I was like, double blasphemy. <laughs> but I did the point and flip in that moment of doubt. God, where are you? What are you doing? And it, it landed on this verse, and I don't think it was by accident. And it is Psalms 37, 29. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. What? I know. God, <laughs> God delights in every detail of your life. He sees where you're at. And here's the thing. A lot of times, we think everything needs to make sense. It needs to all look clear and orderly and put together. But have you ever looked at the back of, like, embroidery? Or maybe the closest thing to embroidery, a tag on your shirt, like Nike, and you flip it over and you're like, what are all these lines? And it's just like this big mess and it's all over the place and things are connecting and disconnecting. And you're like, these aren't even the colors that are on the other side. But you flip it over and you're like, whoa, this has purpose this has order you know all those things on the back that might be what you see the back of the tag that doesn't make sense God what are you doing in my life I don't understand the details are not mixed matching you know what but if you flip it over that's the side God sees he's working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes that's Romans 8:28, and that's scripture God is working all things That word, all, is really important because sometimes we think God's only working the good things together, or God's only working my successes together for my good. God can only work with the good things I've done. No, God can work all things. Even the stuff that other people do in your life that has been wrong, the injustices that you've faced from friends or from family, spouse, loved ones, kids, you know, coworkers, they can't derail the plans of God on your life. They can't take you from the promise that he's given us of heaven, of eternal life. God is not intimidated by that. All right, so that's, that's that. And, you know, also, God is close to the brokenhearted. It says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Has anyone ever felt crushed in your spirit? Yeah, it feels like all hope is gone. It feels like there's nothing in the future to look forward to. It feels like it's all over. Like you you, you like bang, like the bell has gone off. It's all over. God is close to those broken-hearted people. God is cru- close to you when you're crushed in your spirit and your spirit doesn't feel like it even has anything to keep going. And then in Deuteronomy 4:7, this one's really cool. God is listening for us when we call. It says, For what nation is great enough to have a God as near to them as the our, as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call on Him? Call on Him in your dark time. Call on Him when it seems that all is lost. We have a great God. You know, yesterday, I was in the, a field by myself and <laughs> out in Harrisburg, and the stars were just amazing. I could see the big deep dipper, and the moon was coming up over the Coburg Hills, and it was just amazing. It's like, you know who has a god so near to them as our god that listens when we call on him the god that created all of this this beauty i'm so tiny here on this earth but god he hears us when we call to him and then we have at Matthew 28:20 20, god hears us our whole life long and he's with us our whole life long it says and be sure of this jesus said i am with you always even to the end of the age that is encouraging All right, point two, God is working it out. He's not only with you, but he's working it out. Remember that thing with the tag? You know, we only see the one side, but God sees the other side. And Joseph, he realized when his brothers knocked on his door asking for food that day, he came to them and he told them that you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. As Stanley was up on that God's thumb forna- formation, he said to Hector, and they both agreed, they had this overwhelming feeling that everything's cool. And it's kind of like, for me, this God's working it out. And actually, I was—I didn't t- share this uh, first service, but Helen Deese is right here in the front. And <laughs> sorry, Helen, to put you on the spot. But a few years ago, in the midst of a really difficult time, I came to her crying. I think just probably she could tell I was upset. And before I could even say anything, she just grabbed my hand and she said, God's got this. God's got this. So whatever circumstance you're in, I encourage you to use that to encourage your heart, to encourage your soul, that even when it doesn't make sense, God's got this. He's working it out. God is good. He's got a plan, and he will not be stopped. God's working it all for good. And there's this incredible, um, I don't know, it was a commentary I found that was commenting on the life of Joseph. And this commentary gives a really good um, description of how Joseph, at the end of his life, was able to look back and connect the dots. Let's read it. So, and now that Joseph, from the height he had reached, could look back on the way by which he had been led to it, he cordially approved of all that God had done. There was no resentment, no murmuring. He would often find himself looking back and thinking, had I found my brothers where I thought they were, Had the pit not been on the caravan road? Had the merchants not come up so opportunely? Had I not been sold at all or to some other master? Had I not been imprisoned or had I been put in another ward? Had any one of the many slender links in the chain of my career been absent? How different might my present state have been? How plainly I see now that all those sad mishaps and crushed that crushed my hopes and tortured my spirit were steps in the only conceivable plan to my present position. You know, many a man has added his signature to this acknowledgement of Joseph's and confessed a providence guiding his life and working out good for him through injuries and sorrows as well as through honors, marriages, and births. You know, through the highs and the lows, Joseph's life was a big tapestry that God was weaving together for God's purposes and for his good. And he needed to remain steadfast. You know, before we know the why, like Joseph finally knew the why, you know, we, we get to look at his whole life in one shot, right? And we get to see, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to make it out of the dungeon. You're going to make it out of the pit. You're going to make it out of the slave. Yeah, it's all going to be fine, Joseph. And that's easy, but how many you guys know when you're living it, That's a different story. You know, when we're suffering, when you go through a surgery, day two, you're like, oh, it feels like life's over. Or when something, uh, yeah, my dad's raising his hand back there. He's like, that's me. You know, I was thinking about him, actually. I wasn't going to say it, but um, it's like, wow, like we're in the middle of the mess. When we're in the middle of the pain, of the difficulty, it feels like this is all there's ever going to be. But it's going to change. God's going to work it out. But in that moment, we can start to worry. And I never thought... That I was a worrier until I was a mega worrier (laughs) Um, and I was worried 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 and actually in a short span of time maybe it was like a year and a half or two years I got called out by prophets and pastors from the front of stages leading things in front of hundreds of my peers and people some that I didn't know they called me out and pointed me and said (laughs) Nikki God God said stop worrying one of them started singing, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing's going to be all right. He, God knew I needed to stop worrying. One of them, it was, um, well, I, I would love to tell a story, but I can't. But he, he was trying to pray for healing, and then he's like, you're worrying about something. And, and it wasn't about the healing. He was like, there's something that you're worrying about, you need to stop. Otherwise, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stunt and rob <laughs> you of, of what God's doing. I needed to stop worrying And one thing that we can do to fight worry, okay, don't worry, what should I do? The Bible said, or not the Bible, but I mean, I I know it's in there a lot of times, but Jesus gave us an example of what to do when you're in that difficult time and you might be tempted to worry. Jesus worshiped God. You might say, what did Jesus worship? Well, John 12, 27, now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And this is the part where he turns to worship. He says, Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. You know, I'm not going to let a trial, a temptation, a difficulty, a pain take me from the reason I've come to this hour the reason why I've been brought to the earth why I've been given the gifts I have why I've been given the family I have the job skills and all of the things that I have placed in the United States I'm not going to let worry or all of the difficulties and trials that I find in those places rob me of the thing that God has called me to do instead I'm going to say father glorify your name and that's something that we can all say God glorify your name so this last point I have is that God is fulfilling his promises. He's not just working in the midst of it, but he is going to fulfill his promises. He's given us a promise of eternal life with Christ. That's incredible. Like I said, he's going to wipe every tear from your eyes. He's going to establish a new heavens and new earth. We're going to be in eternity with God, and that's incredible. You know, God is fulfilling that promise, and he will fulfill the promises of, in your life. And Stanley, up on God's thumb, he realized, you know, this is really good. I'm not cursed. You know, we're not under the curse of sin and death. We're not under the curse that, that, that we see in the garden when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Genesis 50, 24 through 25, Joseph had this carry my bones confidence in God that he was going to make it to the promised land. He was dying. He was on his deathbed, and his brothers were like, looking at him and you know what they probably didn't expect him to say this he said surely God will come to your rescue and aid you and take you up to this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham Isaac and Jacob and Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place so Joseph died at the age of 110 and after they embalmed him he was placed in a coffin in Egypt and what we learn after that is that his bones were carried right um, he was listed in the Heroes of Faith in Hebrews 11, 22, about Joseph in, on his deathbed had faith that he was going to make it to the promise. And he gave instructions concerning his bones, saying, carry my bones to the promised land, because he had a faith in God that transcended even life. He said, even in my death, I know God's going to be faithful. Surely he will rescue you. And I want to be a part of that. I want to make it to the promise. And so I just want to close with this, that God's fulfilling his promise. life and life abundantly so keep persevering through trials until you get to the promise in Hebrews 10 35 to 39 says don't throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God you will receive what he has promised for in just a very little while he who is coming will come and will not delay but my righteous one will live by faith and if he shrinks back I will not be pleased with him but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Joy Church, we are of those who don't shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Amen? (laughs) You know, maybe you feel like you're in a pit. You don't know. I don't know why you walked in here today. I don't know how you feel. I don't know. Maybe you're on the mountaintop. Maybe you're in the valley, but God sees where you're at he knows what you're going through, and he wants to come alongside you. He wants to give you the strength that you need, and he wants to remind you today that he's fulfilling his promises. He's working it out. He's with you. God's got this, and if you're in here and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is an opportunity for you to say, God, I want that promise that you've promised us of eternal life, and that comes through faith in him. You know, you don't have to go digging in the desert for treasure. You don't have to go digging every day looking for fulfillment in life. But Jesus says that I'm the treasure. He says the kingdom of God is like a treasure that's buried in a field. And the wise one will go and sell all they have so they can buy the field and have that treasure. You know, as as Christians, we lay down our whole lives so that we can have Christ. Because he laid down his whole life so that we could have him. And so if this is you, and today you're like, I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, we're going to pray a prayer. And if you want to repeat after me, if you, the Bible says if you, com- if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So if we could all close our eyes, and if that's you today, I just really want to encourage you to pray. And we can all repeat this, but Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. Sent to die on the cross to pay the penalty of my sins. So today, I put my trust in you as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins, and I follow you. Thank you for what you've done. Come make your home in me. And if you guys are, I want to pray for everyone real quick. God, thank you for this time that we had together. Thank you for those who have come in here today, maybe discouraged, maybe having a hard time. I just pray for refreshing. I pray that you would come and refresh them with your goodness, with your presence, God. And that today they would go out and that they would be able to persevere in the middle of trials, Lord God. We thank you so much for your goodness, that you were the ultimate example of that to us, Jesus. And we just, I pray a blessing on everyone. In Jesus' name, amen.